Welcome to Boots Off Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business. A show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David and I'll be your host for the show. Uh, welcome everybody today well this morning we're day two at the darren field days and doing our podcast series from the field day and i'm talking to scott green who's from i've just been getting it right so from ord minute so tell us about yourself scott no worries thanks david yeah we're private wealth advisors so coming from a stockbroking background stockbroking firm from a from a long way back roots back to 1872 wow we've recently I've recently been working for a company called Bailey's and Ord's bought them a couple of years ago. There's a bit of merging going on in the in the area, in the industry. It's great to uh, be here at the at the Down Field Days, two years in a row as Ord Minute. Looking forward to doing it many more times. Yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. So have you been a career stockbroker is that, or a wealth manager? I don't know what to call you. So what do I call you, Scott? Like- <laughs> uh, stockbroker, financial advisor. Let's say financial advisor. So, so tell yeah. us about that. So have you been in financial advising and stockbroking your whole life? Or? Uh, for about 11 years, I yeah. actually moved over from engineering prior to that. So I was oil and gas engineering for and project managing for the first 15-odd years of my career and, and now about 11 or so in the stockbroking financial advising world. So yeah. Was it hard yeah. to get you? I mean, you know, were you an amateur trader before you became a professional one? I was, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I loved it, so I wanted to try something, do it full time, I guess. So, so this was a yeah. hobby that turned into a career, was it? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a big a big career move for me. It would have been, yeah. Pretty, a bit of a scary one, but um, I'm pleased to say that 11 years on, I'm, I'm happy with the decision, so. Yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> So when you did that, is there is there skills that you could transfer? Like I always say, you know, I'm I have got a 25 year career in software. Before that, I was a farmer, right? And so there's always skills. There's a lot of things that are very different, but a lot of things are same. So what skills did you bring across from, like you know, engineering or your engineering mindset that's really helped you in your career in, in wealth management? I think from a um, there's just a, an underlying analytical skill base that you you get from engineering as you can probably gather and and quite a systematic approach to I think that's one thing that I do as my as my offering as a financial advisor is I'm quite systematic about the way I put people's uh, portfolios together and routine reviews of the portfolios according to asset allocation which is your the proportion of your the, of your wealth that you're holding in shares, bonds, Australian shares, international shares, that sort of thing. And I look at it on a, a quarterly basis to see whether any adjustments in that area need to need to be done. Yeah. And that actually drives returns for portfolios. Uh, statistically, it's something like 85, 90% of the portfolio return is driven by what assets you're in rather than what individual stocks you're in. Yeah. So. So that's a big focus so, of mine. So focusing on asset classes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that 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 begs a question. So, you know, it's both. It seems simple, but it's insanely complex. So, what are the, what are the common mistakes that not you made when you were an amateur trader as opposed to a professional trader, and you see clients and and future clients and clients who wish you had 
these common mistakes people make when they're managing wealth or trading or, you know, what are the things that people just get wrong that seem obvious but aren't? Or oh, I think there's, um, there's some, some uh, human nature steps in when you've got something that's gone down and you, and you want to get your money back. But unfortunately, the big bad market out there doesn't care how much Scott Green or David or anybody else paid for their West Farmer shares or their whatever shares <laughs> on any given day. So you've, you've got to think of it like that. It's you wake up in the morning and if if you think it's still a, a good idea to buy those shares, if you if you would buy them if you didn't have them already, then perhaps that's a good idea. But if not, maybe get rid of them and and take a little bit of pain sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and so there's a difference. We, I mean, you'd tell a lot of clients here at Darren who, uh, who some of them are very experienced in grain trading, which there'd be a lot of similarities. So there's a, I always think there's a, in grain trading, I always think there's a fine line between hedging and, and speculating. Right? Yeah, that's and, right. And the same with shares. Is there a difference between trading and wealth management? And what is that nuance? Absolutely, yeah. So I think you, you can certainly look at it from a technical point of view, technical meaning trading volumes and where the charts are going and uptrends, downtrends, that sort of stuff. But that's more of a short-term approach. And there's some merit to it, but it's pretty hard to get it right on a consistent basis yeah. where for most people, I think it makes more sense to, to think of it for the long term. Look at the asset class first, as we talked about, but then when you're choosing a company, make sure it's um, earning good money, stable, in, stable and perhaps growing income and, and really think about the downside risk. Not it's, Most people think about the upside when they buy into something, but you've really got to think about the downside risk as well. So at the end of the day, you're talking about just good business fundamentals. A good business is a good business, regardless of whether it's a $5 billion business or a $100,000 business, good business is good business. And the yeah. fundamentals are the same, yeah? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so we do a bit of short-term trading around the edges, I suppose, but, yep. but we like to have a core portfolio that, that's chugging along for the long term and, and hopefully delivering a, a decent return over the longer term. Now, especially, I know the grain guys are finding it really hard at the moment because that whole derivatives market has just gone nuts and there's no, there doesn't have that. Are we finding the same? So how are you finding it with, you're talking to clients all the time and you're advising clients on their wealth management and the world's not exactly the most uh, organised and stable place at the moment. Is the share market the same thing as what what the guys are seeing in the grain derivatives Ver market? Very much so, yeah. Apart from anything else, uh, we're in a rising interest rate environment at the moment, inflation interest rates, and it pretty much always creates a lot of volatility in the market. Singular issues that are going on at the moment as well, which are plenty of them, and yeah, so so the market's being thrown around a lot by, by the likes of the Russia-Ukraine war and and uh, inflation caused by supply chain issues coming out of China with them with their zero COVID policy and and all these sorts of things. So does that just change the instead of reacting, right? You're talking about trading and, and holding. Is it just then you as a, as an organisation as a personal advisor just telling people okay these are the asset classes that are still fundamentally strong regardless of what the volatility is happening in Ukraine or do those classes change in this sort of environment? Well, I think one th one thing that's that we're much keener on after a six-month sort of fall in the share markets and the bond markets is that um, 
bonds are something you can buy again now, mm-hmm. whereas a year ago they were paying next to nothing in income. Yeah, because that interest rate related? Is that that's right. Okay. And there was all the risk of the when interest rates went up that the values of the bonds would go down. Mm-hmm. But that's now happened. So, so now, after a very long time, there's some Australian corporate bonds and, and other, other styles of bonds that are getting up around the, the 4 perhaps even 5% mark, yeah. which is starting to look much more attractive. And you don't have that downside risk because we've already seen a lot of the rising in interest rates and markets are forward-looking. So any future interest rates have been baked into the prices to some extent. So there's a lot less downside risk there with the bonds. So those sorts of things are a really good place to start when you're putting a a portfolio together. So that's the thing. When you look at the market, and we tend to look at interest rates we I'm talking about myself probably and others is that we tend to see them even though we're businesses look at them in a very much consumer sense you know how much we're going to pay on the debt we're carrying right yeah. whereas the market seems to see it in a different way so we're talking about the market so the market's already baking into everything in the pricing these interest rate rises that are perceived to they think they're going to come through the rest of this year yeah and yeah. so when we look at it, we might go, well, how are we, you know, is it going to go up? Whereas the market's always going, oh, we're just factoring that into the price. Is that how it's sort of working? Yeah, there's always an element of forward-looking speculation in the market. So, and, it's, it's, and that's what makes it jump around. And it is doing that a lot at the moment. We had a little bit of a relief rally in the, in the US in particular on things like the tech stocks. But, and that was sort of based on softer inflation numbers coming out of the US after everyone being very concerned about inflation. But now we've, we've seen a little bit of a pullback again because people are realising, well, there's a reason why those inflation numbers were soft, and that's because economies are slowing. So the, the pendulum swings back and forth quite rapidly at the moment in terms of risk on, risk off, they talk about. It's, uh, yeah, and that's basically just the market trying to see what's what's happening in six months time yeah trying to second get well they see second order effects you know, if that, you know it's not black and white if that happens when this happens well this also happens is it so that's what you're trying to predict yeah so the traders especially i suppose yeah you? yeah and so it is jumping around quite a bit at the moment so we do have quite a bit of volatility on the market which is a probably on average a bit of a down pressure on the share market and yeah. and so therefore we're we're holding um, reasonably high levels of cash as well, just yeah. to just to make sure that if we do see a really big downturn, we've got some opportunity to pick up things cheap. And that's another interesting thing. cash. You know, I always love the the view from a, both an accounting point of view and a trading point of view. Cash as an asset class, as opposed to something you use. You know, like it's a yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a it's a commodity, a global commodity, really, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and and it's. I mean, you can make some really good money if you've got cash available when when you see a really sharp downturn right. turn so on the market and it bounces back. In. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So you need to have that. You need to keep a bit of that firepower, so to speak. So does cash move countercyclical? So, so like, say you want to you want cash reserves to buy in. Let's say a stock, a bunch of class of stocks dies, and so you know, the, is it because markets move together? in a way, whereas cash is a bit decoupled from that in a way. So you can actually say, you know, a whole lot of shares have dropped, but this cash reserve we haven't hasn't, so we can buy in cheap. Is that exactly right, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That's it, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, it's always good to have some firepower there. On the, on the other hand, though, we, we do meet a lot of people, particularly here at Darren, that might have 
all cash and shares yeah, and, okay. and they've probably got too much cash yeah. and so that's where some of these bond type investments are a good place to start for us as advisors where we're saying well you should get some of that cash working harder for you yeah. and get your four, five, six percent for it rather than where are we at these days maybe two or, or so for, for cash in the bank that's where you need to have a basically a little bit of everything there's Opportunities with the shares as well, even though you've got to be super careful and manage your downside risk, the volatility does create opportunities as well. Well, that's what you're saying, you know, that, that, that bargain hunting with your cash pile, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So tell us a bit about, so clients coming to your tent here at Darren and we've had some clients who, you know, all around Western Australia and Australian reality had some, had a pretty good season last year and there's always a lot of risk, you know, so a lot of them need that cash, you know, there's a good buffer that's required. Mm. But when they walk into uh, Orbinet, is they what should they expect, and, and what can a company like Orbinet do for a, a you know a client who walks in and goes, look, I'm, I've got I've got some spare capital, or I want to look after my life going forward, post fifty or whatever. I don't know what the age bracket is, but you know, what do you do as a firm, and how do you approach clients? What do you offer them? I guess the, the first place to start is we are direct marketing investment advisors, but the first place to start is the is more on the financial planning side of things. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that I work for a stockbroking type firm because it gives you the, the flexibility to invest in just about anything more so than, than any other. But it's very important to, to be doing that all within a really robust financial planning framework mm-hmm. so so that's the first place to start really get to know the client and what they need and what their situation is what their attitudes to risk comes into mm-hmm. it as well what their capacities for risk are these sorts of things are, are where we start and can you offer the officer products like if people need liquidity they're not they need to put money away but they need liquidity to get it out if they need it right especially in grain and higher risk stuff where they might need the cash to you know because you never know, you know that's right yeah and I think for, for those sorts of reasons, it makes sense for farmers to hold a, a reasonable, probably higher than average sort of level of cash mm. to be prepared for those sorts of things as well. But on the other hand, there's um, liquidity as is mm. a very good word for it for, for farming, families, etc. because they quite often don't have the liquidity. Succession planning and things like that can, can become quite difficult because they, they tend to be asset rich and income poor with their farms and and that sort of thing so when we're putting a portfolio together it's in things that can be bought and sold on on the share market very readily so so basically that's um if they have a portfolio with us it means that they've got some liquidity you can't sell well let's talk about a house you can't sell just one bedroom of a house but if you've got 500 west family shares you can sell 25 50 100 however many you'd you want or you need so so it gives you that liquidity is there ways for people this is my ignorance in market is there a way to people to participate in that property market indirectly through derivatives or things like that or shares in property so if i don't want to hold like you said assets and aren't liquid like investment properties and you know whatever but i want to participate in the say the commercial or the retail property market is there ways people can do that and have liquidity absolutely yeah the um the, we were talking about asset classes and asset allocation. Well, property is one of those asset classes, and and there's certainly plenty of ways to invest on the on the Australian market. Doesn't have to be 
the, the Australian listed market, so trading on the ASX is what I'm talking about there, but it can actually be global property, or and so you've got all kinds of choices. You can decide on something that's focused on residential property or property developing or commercial property or global property or or combinations of all of yeah, those things. Yeah, so if you yeah. look at the property market and you look at long-term returns on, say, you know, the ASX versus property versus... But you can participate in all those classes and still have liquidity that you might want. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're, what we would say, probably underweight on the property yeah, side yeah, of things at the moment, but um, but it's definitely there as an option. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. that some people love the idea of property, but, you, you know, the, the immediate thing we think of is buying you know, actually real estate, don't we? Like we don't think about derivatives in real estate or shares in real estate. Yeah. Well, I don't anyway. Don't and it, the things that we need to try to uh, introduce into the conversation are, well, if you go and do that and you buy a property, that's a that's a big, big investment and it's going to reduce your liquidity yeah. and all these sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. so that's where, that's where the value of having an advisor comes in, I think. For, yeah, no, for definitely. Um, so if people want to come and work out how to uh, manage their wealth, if people want to get hold of you, they just Google you, or what's the easiest way to find you, Scott? Uh, I think if you if you put in um, Scott Green Ordmanet or yep. Ordmanet Perth, you'll certainly come up, and it'll say our people, and I have my profile there, so yeah. so people can look me up there. And Ordmanet um, is a double N, by the way, double N, double T, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. And see, I just called it Ordmanet, so. Either or is fine. Yeah, so it's just when you're Googling, guys, double N, double T. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, yeah, my email address is scottgreen at wards.com.au. There you go. So more than happy to hear from anyone out there who might need a bit of advice. There you go, guys. So if you need a good advisor, go see Scott and give him a call or an email or whatever. And um, we'll go from there. Thank you very much for your time, and I hope you have a good rest of the day. Good on you. You too, David. Okay, thank Thanks. you. As always, if you'd like to know more about AgriMaster Farm Business Management Software and Services, you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you like this episode, please share it on social media or directly with a friend and let's make farm business great together.